Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. So last week we started this series, um, and if you're disappointed that it's me again, Nicole is preaching next weekend. So um, I think you're rude, but whatever. So she's preaching next weekend, and it's Mother's Day. You need to be here. She's going to talk specifically about stigmas. And so if you don't like Mother's Day, I mean, like coming on Mother's Day, you need to come on this Mother's Day. And for a lot of people, whether you're a dude or you're a single woman or you're trying to have kids or you don't have kids or um, don't really care about Mother's Day, it's going to be a weekend. You need to be here. Um, but here's what we've launched in this series is that all of us have walked through, are walking out of, or are going to walk into seasons where some things just get broken and shattered. And we have the question whether it's a job loss or the apology that never came or they walked out or some things that went down that we couldn't control. We're left to pick up the pieces of that and try to figure out how to put it back together. And all of us, I don't care who you are, at some level and in some place of our life, we've experienced that. But here's what I want to deal with today, because I think this is so important that at some point in this series, we land on this, because this is the question of a lot of people in these rooms and listening from different places, and that is, like, what do I do if I've walked through some stuff or I'm walking through some stuff, and it's not all outside circumstances that led me here? Like, what do we do if some of the shatteredness, some of the brokenness is because of some decisions that I've made and some places that I've walked down because all of us have those stories? Or maybe that you walk through a difficult thing that you didn't choose, you didn't have any control of, but then you started in order to cope, to compound some of the hurt and some of the pain. And now you're in a place where you're starting to ask the question of how in the world do I get out of this? How in the world do I move forward? How in the world do I put back together any of these pieces? Like, is there any hope with what I'm dealing with right now? And you've maybe run, you've self-medicated, you've walked away from God. You just kind of checked out for about three years of your life. And now you're left with some pieces that you got to figure out what to do with. And so the question is, what do you do with that? And here's what you already know, but I'll just bring it to our attention, is your, your past has the potential to be the greatest threat to what God wants to do in your future. Like, we already know that, but we just need to say it, and it can be a lid. Like, your past, what you've walked through, maybe what you're walking through right now, it can be a lid in terms of all that God wants to do in and through you for your future, but it doesn't have to be. Just as the enemy wants to take and leverage what you've walked through or what you chose to hold you captive and keep you away from the destiny and the will that God has for your life, the opposite is also true because God can take what you've been held captive by, set you free, and actually use that for a better future to accomplish his destiny and his will for your life. Like, Here's what you've got to know, and I think we don't talk about this enough, is is that we have this idea that kind of Jesus came into planet earth and he died on a cross and he walked out of a grave alive and he's offering salvation and rescue like for that moment where you go, I need it, I want heaven when I die, like whatever that looks like for you. And then God kind of leaves us on our own. But the reality is this, 
God knows that the only thing that he has to work with on planet earth is brokenness and broken people. Like when he went to the cross, he had no illusions about what he was working with, with a sin infested world that had jacked up everything. And so what you need to know about the nature and the character of God is he is constantly looking around. He is constantly stalking you in the best possible way. He is constantly moving into your circumstances to try to find some stuff that he can redeem and restore and leverage it to release you from what you've been carrying and lead you into something better for the future because he knows it's the only thing he has to work with. You are broken, humanity's broken, and he is on a one-way mission. It's on his business card to redeem and restore broken and shattered things. And he can take anything, the relationship you walked out on, the lie that you told to compound the whole thing, the area where you decided you're just going to distance yourself, the self-medication. He can take anything and redeem it and restore it. And nothing is off limits because in this age of grace, the only thing that God is doing, not just at the moment of salvation, is to reach into your life and go, if you will give me that, I will take it, I will restore it, I will redeem it, and I can work anything for the good of those who love me if they will just bring it to me. Like, here's what some of you maybe know, but you haven't thought of it this way or maybe named it this way, is, is, you know, the, the brokenness and the shattered feelings that we all relate to? And we all relate to it. Like, unless you're, you're attending some kind of plastic country club, there's nothing more annoying in the world where everybody's showing up, acting like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not like them or I'm not like them. There is nothing more hideous and opposed to what God laid out in the whole New Testament than that kind of garbage. I don't know why I got so fired up right there. I didn't do that at the 9 a.m. But there's nothing worse than that garbage where we're showing up with, with that kind of idea where the reality is all of our, us are fractured, all of us are broken. God doesn't want to leave us there, but that's just the plight that every bit of humanity is in and they need rescue and they need salvation, not just at salvation, but at points all throughout their journey. And what you will find is the brokenness and the shattered feelings that all of us relate to and we all relate to them is actually the very thing that caused God to come to relate to us. Meaning, the thing that you are walking through or out of right now, the thing that is in a million pieces, is actually an invitation for God to draw near and closer in your life than maybe you have ever experienced before, because it is the gospel. Like, that is the good news. That literally this thing that you want to go away, that you're praying to go away, and that God at some level wants to take you out of, though he's not promising pain-free and problem-free, that thing literally is his invitation to go, hey, the pain and brokenness we all relate to is what caused me to relate to you. And that actually is an invitation, if you would surrender it to me, where I may become more real and more known and more personal in your life than you have ever experienced before. The best example of the verse is the one that we know all too well, almost to the point we become inoculated to it in John 3, 16, and this is my version, but God so loved the shattered world that he drew near to the shattered world to, to come to experience life and pain and death and then give freedom through it. And the thing that caused him to do that was, hey, the pain that all of humanity relates to is the pain that I'm gonna come in the midst of and I'm gonna relate to them so I can take them out of it. But then the verse that doesn't get nearly as much airtime is the verse right after it. And this is the verse that honestly, for some of you, this is what you need to hear. Like this is the verse that may begin to lead you back to following Jesus or lead you to begin to really follow Jesus for the first time. And John writes it this way, for God did not send 
This is so dangerous right here. Let me just, I gotta pull this over. God did not send his son into the world, both campuses to what? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? But to save it. And not just at the moment where you walked down an aisle or you raised your hand or you were sitting in a small group or this light came on and like, yes, I believe this. Yes, I wanna follow. This is the invitation for every point in your journey. This is the attribute that God's brought to planet earth. I came to save and rescue you. And when did you think that you just needed saved and rescued the moment you began to follow me? You're gonna need saved and rescued at about a hundred points after that. And that is what I'm offering is salvation and rescue that you would come to me because that's why I came into the world. And if you do, I'm not getting in your face to go, do you know how jacked up you are? Like he's gonna do that. Like it's, he's gonna be straight up. Like, yeah, there's some things that are jacked up in your life, but I didn't come to hold it over you. I didn't come to leave you there. I didn't come to offer you some kind of probationary period. I came to save and rescue. And yes, you need it at the moment of salvation, but you need it a hundred times after that. And the invitation, because we've all been there, is when you come and when you turn in my direction, I am not going to condemn you because I'm here to redeem and to restore and to reconcile stuff. And I I rescue broken people in their brokenness, which means I literally rescue broken people from themselves. And I didn't come to condemn. I came to offer you rescue. Like over and over and over again, as you look at the gospels, you see this in unbelievably personal ways. And a lot of these stories, you know, but the one day where Jesus is is at the temple and they're literally a few hundred yards away from where they offer sacrifices and, and the Pharisees, which were religious leaders, they bring, they didn't bring, they literally drug a woman up these stairs, which are very steep and very tall on to the kind of portico of the temple. And a bunch of men surround her and she's been, you know the story, right? She's been caught in adultery. And I always bring this out because there's a couple layers to this that I always, always think is worth just kind of looking at, that these, these men, these religious leaders, like really had become voyeuristic, peeping toms in order to catch this woman in adultery. And we look at that, just real quick off script for a second, we look at that and think, like that, that's so over the top, so ridiculous, so crazy. And yet we, we do the same thing, our own version in 2019 where we create groups or we create categories and our life and our spiritual journey becomes about proving other people wrong, wrong morally, wrong in terms of whatever else we stack up, wrong in terms of their category, wrong in terms of their political persuasion. And we really, we really hone in on why they're wrong and why we're right as if somehow we're closer to God or that earns us something with God. And we are just the modern day 2019 voyeuristic peeping Toms who have this idea of degrees and we're coming to people to try to build walls and draw distinctions. And Jesus is going, there's only one distinction. There's Jesus, there's perfection, and there's you and all of you need rescue and all of you need saving and all of you need a savior and you have nothing to stand on other than the fact that you're broken and you need help. And there they are, and Jesus is there with this woman, and many scholars will agree that, that when Jesus kneels down and begins to write in the sand, and this is the reason they all start to walk away, is he starts to just write with his finger the sins personally of the people who are in the group. Bob. You know, whatever Bob did, and Bob just starts to walk away. 
And, and you know the story, eventually they all, all leave, they all lay their stones down and there Jesus is face to face with this woman who's been caught in adultery. She, she's completely broken. She's broken up her marriage. She's broken up somebody else's marriage. Everybody knows what she's done, right? This is a small town. Everybody is aware and there she is and Jesus says to her, hey, hey look at me. Look at me. Hey, hey, look at me, eyeball to eyeball. I do not condemn you. And literally translated, I do not sentence you. You deserve to be sentenced, but I'm not going to sentence you. I don't, so, so look at me. Leave your life of sin and follow me. And then one day Jesus is, is walking through this town where there's literally maybe thousands of people and there's a guy up in a tree by the name of Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is the guy that um, literally has created like their version of a Ponzi scheme and he's making a lot of bank off of the backs of working class people. He's up there with his Yeezys on and he just got there um, in an Escalade with a bodyguard and a whole um, entourage with him. There is no doubt there is like bodyguards at the bottom of the tree because this guy is hated. He's stolen money. He's been contracted out by Rome to collect taxes, but he's a Jew. And so he's a traitor to all of his Jewish friends. They're watching him going, all of that is because of how you have stolen and how you have absolutely just been dishonest with everything you do. And there he is. And Jesus is walking through that city and Zacchaeus is up in a tree and Jesus knows it all, right? This guy is stolen this guy has segmented himself. This guy has done some things that have absolutely destroyed people financially. And Jesus, as he's walking through, sees this guy up in a tree and he's like, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, I see you. Come down to me. Because Jesus was always the center of his message and Jesus was always the center of his movement. Hey, hey Zacchaeus, I know what you've done. And the religious people want to divide. They want to build walls. Can we just talk about this for one second? Jesus, as you'll find out in a second, he wasn't saying that what Zacchaeus did wasn't a big deal. What he was saying is one encounter with me has the possibility to change everything. So do not create movements and churches and social clubs where you designate sexual orientation and political views and theological minutia, not because it's not a big deal, but it's not the biggest deal. Because if you have one encounter with with Jesus, it changes everything. And figuratively, people are stuck up in trees thinking they have to stay at a distance and they are missing the encounter with the one person who has the power to change everything in their life. Yeah. So Jesus says, come down to me. We're gonna go to your house for lunch because it's Jesus. He can invite himself over to lunch at your house, ignore all social protocol. And so he goes over to Zacchaeus' home and they have a meal and, and we get a little bit of conversation behind closed doors where he's like, Zacchaeus, I'm inviting you to follow me. But you're gonna have to do some stuff. I'm not asking you just to pray a prayer, or pray this away and walk out of here. You gotta go back to some of those relationships that you've busted up and all those people you've hurt. You've gotta make it as right as you possibly can. And it says that Zacchaeus walked out of that room and because of that encounter with Jesus, it radically changed his life. And he began to go back to people and pay back what he had stolen way beyond what the law even required and everything changed for him. And then there's one day where Jesus is, is moving through a place that 
He generally wouldn't go a country, honestly, that he wasn't supposed to be. And you know this story too, maybe. He stops at a well where this woman is at. His disciples are, have gone off to Sikar. They're gaining or getting food for Jesus because they're out there and they need something to eat. And he meets this woman at the well and she has gone an extra distance, bypassed a closer well to her home in order to come where she's coming because she thinks she's not gonna run into anybody there. She heads there at noon because it's hot. Nobody goes to a well in the middle of the desert at noon. And so there she is and unexpectedly she encounters Jesus. And she just assumes that, again, socially, he's not gonna say anything to her. He's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. There are so many racial overtones to this story that a first century audience would have been shocked by. And there she is, and she has busted up and shattered her life in a million ways. She's gone through five different relationships. She's got a guy living on her couch at that moment that wasn't her husband. She's run in and out of relationships and she's got so much dysfunction in the rearview mirror and there Jesus is with her. She's trying to get her water and go her way and be done with the whole encounter and Jesus unexpectedly says to this woman, hey, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know even why you're here that you are running and you are hiding and you are compounding these places that are already broken and I just, I just wanna tell you, come close to me, come to me. Because I'm telling you, I can quench the thirst of your soul that no dude is ever gonna be able to satisfy. And you've been run into a thousand different relationships. You've been trying a thousand different things. You're doing what all of us do, where at some point you just don't get the hint because it's like a little bit more of what didn't work is gonna work. And even though it hasn't worked five times, I think the next relationship is gonna work. And Jesus is like, it's not gonna work. You keep running, you keep hiding, you keep walking away. I know everything that you've done and I'm just inviting you to come close to me because I have the ability to do something in your heart and soul that's gonna quench a thirst that you're never gonna be able to satisfy in this life. And then one day, this guy right after the resurrection has an encounter with Jesus and he is an absolutely broken man. Now he's high end on the Enneagram, like high achiever, get things done, entrepreneurial. Um, in fact, he was a part of the movement of the Pharisee, Pharisee religious leaders. And so he was doing everything he could to move up the hierarchy and on the org chart. And so that meant stomping out this new movement called the way or this new movement called Christianity. And this guy by the name of Saul was better at it than everybody. Can't, Becomes Paul later because Jesus can invite himself over to dinner at your house and change your name just on a whim. Like, I'm not feeling that. We're gonna call you Paul. Um, That's just what he did. But he is on his way to do what he was so good at where he almost single-handedly stomped out the Jesus movement. And there he is on his donkey, on his way to obliterate another village to where moms are gonna leave and they're not gonna have husbands and children are gonna become orphans. And he's going to literally destroy people with what he is about to oversee. And as he's riding his donkey into that city, you maybe know the story, a blinding light hits Paul that later would become known as Paul and it is Jesus and it knocks him off his and onto his. And it was the moment for Paul that everything changed. And Jesus is like, listen, Paul, we're gonna call you Paul. Paul, I know where you've been. I know what you've done. Paul, I know where you're about to go right now. And here, listen, you don't deserve a future, but I'm gonna give you one anyway. 
Because this isn't based on you. It isn't based on your ability to rewind or undo what you've already done. You're not gonna do that. Go ask those women and those kids and those villages. There is nothing that you can do to make up for this. You have shattered and broken things into a thousand pieces, but I am still inviting you, follow me. Because it is my message, it is my movement, it's what I'm offering to humanity and you can bring all of the pieces and I have the ability to rearrange them and set you free. And, and Paul took the invitation and it began to change everything about his life. And, and here's the thing. The amazing thing is that as you watch Jesus' life, no matter how shattered things were for somebody, no matter how broken things were for somebody, no, how, no matter how much they had sabotaged areas of their life, that over and over again, you see Jesus offering hope and offering a way forward to those exact same people. And I'm telling you, what Jesus offers, this is the way forward. For many of you, for all of you, this is the way out. This is the way in terms of what Jesus wants for you because over and over again to shattered and broken people who finally got to the place to know they couldn't do anything about where they were at and they couldn't fix it, Jesus over and over again offered himself. I, you've tried a million things. You've been to a million counseling appointments and all of that is great. And you've talked to a million friends and you've chased a million cares. And Jesus is like, listen, I know you're broken. I know you're shattered. And here is my invitation to you. I am offering you me because you have to encounter Jesus if anything is ever gonna change. So if you're like Zacchaeus, you've distanced yourself. You're hanging out in a tree. You can't get close. Come to me. If you're the woman in adultery and everybody around you is reminding you about what you've done, Jesus' invitation is, listen, I don't sentence you even if they're trying to sentence you. I want you to leave your life of sin and I want you to follow me and I can put the pieces back together. If, if, you're, if you're Paul and you're on the way to self-destruct one more time, he's going, listen, I get it, I know it. It's not that it's not a big deal, but my grace and my power and what I'm offering is greater. And you need me if you're ever gonna find a way forward and if you're ever gonna find a way out. It is found in me and me alone. And here's why, because all throughout the New Testament, the clearest picture of your heavenly father is represented through Jesus. It's Jesus when he's starting his ministry and he gets baptized by John and this weird moment happens, um, honestly, if we can just be honest and straight about it, where something comes out of the sky and, and basically offers this truth to all of us. As Jesus is coming out of the water, it says, listen, this is my son and I'm well pleased with him. And the translation was, if you wanna know what God's like, look at my boy. If you wanna know how Jesus, how God thinks about humanity, watch my boy. If you wanna know how God is gonna to respond to you in your broken and shattered moments where you don't know where to go next, watch my boy. Because over and over again, you're gonna find that he invited broken people to follow Jesus in the midst of their brokenness while they were still broken. And he's like, if you wanna know how to go forward, it is in him his name is Jesus and he is the perfect personification of what God wants to do, what God thinks, what God feels and what God is offering you. And then I love this, immediately after Jesus' interaction on the Temple Mount, and a lot of times we don't connect these two passages, but this is so powerful what Jesus follows it up with, the woman who had been called in adultery on the steps of the temple. Jesus has that interaction, he walks away, and then John records what he says next in John chapter eight, verse 12. He said, when Jesus spoke again after this to the people, he said, I am, both campuses, I am what? 
I am, one more time. I am the light of the world. In essence, I can and I will show you the way forward. And I can, listen to me, I know things are broken. I can and I will show you the way out. And you are in a place right now where the description of your circumstance in your life, and this is what it means, is you are in a dark place and you need a light. You're in a dark place because of depression and some of it's happened to you, but some of it's because of a road that you started to walk down. You're in a place right now where you've walked out and you're being haunted by the reminders. You're in a place where you've distanced yourself from relationships that you know you should still be involved in. You're in a dark place because you've compounded it with some lies that have only made your situation worse, but you are in a dark place and you need a light and Jesus is going, I am that light. And if you're ever gonna walk out of this dark place, place wondering what the next step is and what the way forward is you are going to have to come to me like one of the things is true and this is just me being really honest maybe too honest sometimes it is okay to lie to your kids I'm not and there's a there's a whole passage with Rahab where I can pull some stuff out of there um, and, and I'm a preacher so I can do that and make application that um, relates to my parent. But sometimes you, you lie to your kids and when you do, it's always your voice goes several octaves um, ahead. But my, my little girl, I wasn't gonna say who it was, but my little girl, um, Brooke, she recently broke something, this little, this little thing that was made out of pottery and it wasn't a big deal. I wasn't like upset about it or anything like that. Um, but she, she's just old enough where she proceeded to try to fix her mess. So I'm gonna try to glue it back together. I'm gonna try to make this right. I'm gonna try to make it look okay. Um, so she proceeded, and then she comes to me, and she's like, hey, daddy, and she's hoping this is gonna outweigh the fact that she broke the thing, which again, I didn't really care, but she comes to me, hey, dad, what do you think of this? And it's nice. You know, like you go several octaves up, which means um, it's the same thing you do when your wife is five months pregnant. And she's like, does it look like I've gained any weight? No. Like it's just, um, I don't know if she's watching this, but that, it, it, it's how you know that she's lying. That's a true story. Um, so you just lie just for a second for the good and welfare of her and for the future of your family and all that stuff. And so I'm just like, yeah, it's great. And, and the reality is it was horrible, Right. Like it looked like you're six years old and you found some Elmer's glue and you tried to glue this big thing back together. And it, I think it's worse than if you had just left it in pieces. Like it is horrible. The pieces aren't in the right place. It's just massively disoriented. Like why did you try to fix this on your own? I get it, but it's really, really bad. And I'm never gonna tell her that and she's not old enough to listen to podcasts, but it was horrible. It was horrible, right? And the reality is, that's where a lot of us are at with our relationship with Jesus, where there's some things that have just been shattered and broken. And we're like a six-year-old kid in the dark trying to glue it back together with Elmer's glue, bringing it to him. And he's going, listen, I love you, but that's terrible. It's awful. It doesn't even match. How do you think that that looks good or that's okay or that somehow you're whole now? You are in a place where it's pitch black and the depression and the anxiety and the choices and the things that you've done in the relationship that you've walked out of, you cannot put all of that back together, but I got good news. You're in darkness, but I'm light. And we need to resist the culture of people showing up, looking shiny and nice, acting like they've got it all together, thinking that they can somehow glue it back together and bring it to Jesus. And it's insane. We have no ability. You cannot put 
back together what you don't even know how it worked in the first place in the pitch black. And Jesus is going, this is what I mean by rescue. This is what I mean by I'm gonna meet you here. This is what I mean by I'm not gonna condemn you. Bring me the pieces before you get started because you'll just make it worse. And I have the ability to put it back together and bring meaning out of what you are never going to be able to do on your own. You're in darkness and you need light. And Jesus says, I am that light. And then he says, and whoever follows me, whoever follows me, meaning, come on, isn't this true? Let's be real honest with one another. For all of us, the areas where by our own choosing, not what's happened to us, but where we've walked into some dysfunction and some broken moments and we've shattered some pieces of our life, isn't it true that we didn't follow Jesus into that? And what Jesus is saying is, since you didn't follow me into this, you're gonna need to follow me out of this. And the reality is that the only way out is to follow somebody that has more light than you do. And so he says, whoever follows me, because I'm offering you me. I'm not offering you a set of ideas. I'm not offering you six things, just do this. I'm offering you me, Jesus. Whoever follows me, and here's the promise, will never walk in darkness, but will have the what? One more time. Will not walk in darkness, but will have what? Now here's the thing. For a lot of us, I couldn't think of a better example. I think what we want when things fly out of control and everything is broken, the thing that we want in that shattered mess is like triple A. The thing that we want in that mess is like 911. We want to dial it up. We, we want to call somebody who's going to meet us roadside and tow that thing out of there and just fix it and get us out of it. And we want it instantaneous and we want it immediate. And here's what you have to know. And I don't know if this is good news, but it will be good news, is that your heavenly father loves you too much to do that. Because there is a bigger goal than him just fixing it. Like, here's the deal. Many of you know, I've got two boys I talk about a lot. Um, they're fun, but they're boys. Anybody can argue this, but it, it is different parenting boys than girls. They'll go into rooms and there's not any ill will, but they will just start breaking stuff and throwing stuff and making amazing messes. And then they get, they get to the other side of it and they're like, I, we, we can't clean it up. It's too big. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you made it. No, it's just... It's to, Daddy, can you clean it up? It's just too big. And they're just absolutely overwhelmed by the mess that they have made. And I'm like, I'm not. And sometimes I wanna clean it up. A few times I have cleaned it up because I'm very organized. I don't like the mess. I'm trying to work on that because we're about to add number four and they're all like under six years old. Um, but I don't like this. So a lot of, it's just easier for me to come in and fix it. Like I'll clean it up. I, I can do this in 15 minutes. It's gonna take you an hour and 45 minutes. There's gonna be three screaming matches. Someone's gonna get spanked and then we're gonna get done. That's how this is gonna go down, right? And so it's just easy for me to go, I'm just gonna do it myself and we're gonna be done. But here's what I know. If I swoop in and I put everything away, here's what will happen. Maybe that afternoon is they will make a bigger mess than the previous mess. So my offer is, I'm over, I can't daddy, it's, it's too much, it's too big. No, I know, I'm gonna enter into this with you and I'm gonna help you, but I am not cleaning up this mess for you because I know that you're gonna end up right back where you were before. Here's the reality. Your heavenly father values something even above obedience. 
and that's relationship. And he is not going to swoop in and fix it and just put it all back together because behavior is important to your heavenly father, but it is not most important. Listen, the number one thing for me with my kids is not simply behavior. Now, don't get me wrong. I want behavior. I'll take bride behavior at this point. I'm hoping it, it develops into something more mature later, but I want behavior. But here's what you don't want as a parent, or if you ever become a parent, is you don't want somebody that as they get older, they're following all the stuff outside. They're doing all the stuff they need to do, and their heart is far from you. Their heart is far from God. It is nothing more than begrudging submission, and sometimes it's because on the Enneagram, they're just rule followers, but as nothing has happened in regard to relationship, and your heavenly father would rather have you go off of the rails at times, make some bad decisions, give in to this flesh that wars against you, than do everything right while your heart is far from him and there's no relationship because the thing that he came to planet earth to offer was not another system, but a relationship with a savior. And so he's not gonna swoop in and fix it because your heavenly father wants a relationship. So he says to you, I want you to follow me. And when you follow me, you're not gonna walk in darkness, but you're gonna have the light of life. And that's me. And so here's the question, like what, what does it mean to do that? Like, what does it mean if you're in that place right now where you're coming out of, you're in the middle of, you're dealing with the shrapnel of what's behind you? How, how do you do that? How, how do you follow Jesus out of this? And it's what we talk about, like literally every week, that Jesus has come to encounter and to offer a relationship, and it is a process. And, and over and over again, his desire is not your perfection because you have no ability to reach any sort of perfection. His desire is direction. I want you to follow me. I want you to begin to look at me. I want you to begin to be sensitive to me. And following me is what Matthew said in Matthew seven twenty six when he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into what? What's the word? Does not put them into practice, meaning they don't put them into practice and they will end up at some point in that area in brokenness. Avoidable brokenness. Jesus is going, listen, you have enough unavoidable brokenness and pain. You don't need to create it for yourself. And when you decide that you are going to hear and not do, you're gonna end up in more brokenness because you're like a fool who built his house on the sand. Meaning, and this is what Jesus kind of in your face words mean is that following Jesus really begins with this declaration. And maybe this is where you're at right now in this area, or maybe it's just kind of feels like your whole life right now. And it is, God, I've built my life on sand. I've built this area of my life on sand. I thought I knew the way forward. I thought I knew the way out. I thought I had enough wisdom. I thought I could circumvent. I thought I could do it my way. I, I thought that I could make my path through this. I thought that I was gonna be different. I thought that it was antiquated. And I just wanna admit to you that I have built my life or this area of life on sand. And I'm now finally at the place where I realize I need you. I cannot fix this. I cannot get out of this. I cannot somehow do enough that's gonna make it all go away. And so maybe for the first time, I'm realizing I can't and you can't and I'm gonna need you if there's ever gonna be any hope that's gonna come out of this hurt. And then not only do you agree with that declaration, but following Jesus is agreeing with what he started with in verse 24, that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Come on, come a little stronger and I'm gonna, I'm gonna end pretty soon if you do. And puts them into what? Practice. 
puts them into practice. Meaning, wherever you're at, whatever this moment looks like, whatever you're walking through, Jesus is going, if you want to follow me out, it means right now, right here, right in the midst of and in the middle of, you just need to declare, Jesus, whatever you are calling me to do to take the next step out of this, yes. And I've said this maybe 100 or 200 times to you, but I'll say it again, is that God clarifies in the midst of obedience, he does not clarify beforehand. God gives you light when you need the light. God will light the path when you take a step to actually go down the path, but he never gives it to you beforehand because it is a walk that is characterized by faith and Jesus is going, it's a relationship and I want you to follow me. And for some of us, we're in a place where some things have been shattered and things have been broken and there are one or two things that you've kind of placed to the side, kind of off limits and I'm gonna do this and Jesus, yes, I'm gonna follow you in all these other 19 areas or I just don't think I can do that. And those one or two things are the areas where you have stiff-armed God and you are building some things on the sand and you are not following Jesus out. And it seems like it's getting darker and darker and darker because Jesus is going, the thing that is right in front of you that is known, the thing that is most difficult to take the step to do, that's the place where my healing and my power is. And that's where I want you to follow me out. But you've got to do what I'm calling and asking you to do in this moment. And listen, this is a side note and it makes me sound so old, but like there's so many studies like in our culture that with just this instant everything, download an app if it takes more than seven seconds, I'm like, forget it. Like everything is instant. Everything is on demand. Everything we have in a moment. And, and this is just truth that it is hardwiring our brains to think that anything that is hard is bad. And that anything that takes time is bad. And Jesus is going, listen, you're not gonna be able to do this with an app. You are going to have to follow your way out and it is gonna be hard. And it's maybe gonna cause you to face down some things like going back to that relationship or getting into counseling or going to them and saying that I was wrong or getting help for that addiction or just admitting the fact that you've emotionally been distant for three years. And that's the place where I wanna start. And that's the place where if you can admit, if you can say yes to me, I will begin to lead you out and give you the light you need for the next season of your life. But those who put it into practice are like a wise man who built and you didn't break it overnight and you're not gonna be able to build it back overnight. Who built his house on the rock in the verse 25 and the rain came down and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house yet it did not fall. The difference between people who are walking through almost identical experiences and one goes off the rail and one somehow experiences closeness with God in a way that they've never experienced before has everything to do with what foundation was laid ahead of time. And he says, the rain came down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock or literally on Jesus and what Jesus has said. And they began the process of building or began the process of rebuilding. And it started with, I want you to put into practice what literally in this moment I've been asking you to do maybe for three years. And that is where you take the baton and begin to follow me and I can start to lead you out. We'll get ready to close in a second, but, but here's the reality. You cannot pray your way out of dysfunction that you've behaved your way into. 
And that's not harsh, and Jesus is not being harsh. Jesus is going, listen, I shone a light 2,000 years ago that was bright enough to lead the way for you, and it's still bright enough to lead you out even if you've already gone down that path because I manufactured you, I made you, I have fashioned you, I have a destiny and a will for you, and it is irregardless of your sin and your past because I knew I was working with broken people, and so I've shown a light bright enough to go wherever I'm asking you to follow and take a step, it is synonymous with freedom. It's synonymous with I've got a better way. It's synonymous with you don't know what you're doing. Everything around you is dark. You don't have the wisdom to know how I've created life to be. And you were created for Genesis chapter one. And one day I'm going to return you to Genesis chapter one on steroids. It's going to be better than ever. Perfect relationship with me with universal flourishing and universal wholeness. And I've left an anchor in history to go, I'm willing to die for you and walk out of a grave. And so there's a light that's bright enough in all of humanity to know this is the way. And even if you've ignored it up until this point, it is a light that is bright enough to lead you out, but you cannot pray your way out. You've got to follow me out. And Jesus says, that is the invitation for every single shattered and broken person. I want you to follow me. And come on, some of you, some of you have started to follow Jesus out. And what I wanna just encourage you on is you have got to confront the voices of the enemy, especially early on almost every day. As we said last week, when he is working overtime on the night, night shift to wake you up at 2 a.m. to go, do you know? You, you aware? When the circumstance all of a sudden presents those images and the emotion that accompany with them out of nowhere, when you're reminded from people who are around you and you have got to stand up, Taylor already said it earlier, you've got to lift your voice, you've got to out loud, hey, it's 2 a.m. and sorry, but I just need to let the enemy know that the shame that he's holding over me has no hold and the guilt that he's holding over me has no hold and the past that he's holding over me has no hold. And literally when I hear those voices, if I'm following and have placed my faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus, the enemy has already been defeated and literally he's trying to lead me outside of the will of God because condemnation and guilt and shame are outside of the will of God and it screams that Jesus' death was not enough. So I'm confronting the enemy right now to go, captivity has no hold on me with guilt, shame, and I am a loved son and daughter of the creator of the universe. I am recklessly pursued. I have a hope, I have a future. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, not because I'm being led off the hook, but because Jesus gave up everything in order for me to have a future and it's based on him and his perfection. And there is no sentence over my life. There is no double jeopardy. When he walked out of the grave, it was paid in full across all of humanity. I accomplished it. I'm leading you into freedom. And so when the enemies work in the night shift, when the friends are surrounding me with, hand, with stones in their hands, when I'm reminded of the memory and the emotion of what's happened in the past, I'm going to talk back to go, this is not who I am. You have have no power over me. I'm following my way out and you are not gonna sabotage my future with my past because Jesus already took care of that. And condemnation takes off when you talk back. And we may not think that that's a really necessary thing or it's just kind of arbitrary, but I'm telling you there's something about raising your voice that literally activates the power of God as you speak against the enemy and the lies that are trying to lead you further down a path that God's never designed or destined for your life. And the reality is also this, is that what is shattered from your past has the opportunity to become your greatest platform. That God is working to redeem and to restore. Listen to me, podcast, radio, physically sitting in the seat right now. God is looking to redeem and to restore. 
anything you bring to him. You got a relationship, the bust, bring that to me. You checked out for 10 years, I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but I'm telling you, bring that to me. You self-medicated for 18 months and you destroyed the marriage. I can't take away all the consequences, but Jesus is going, I I want you to bring that to me. And, And the reality is also this, is that the story of your darkness, when you surrender it, will bring light into other people's darkness. And some of you aren't there right now. And come on, can we just come around this talking about instantaneous? If you've just walked through something, you don't need to be talking about three days later how God's gonna use this. You just need to stay there for a while and heal and let God do what God wants to do in his timing. And you need to surrender that to him. But I'm telling you, if you will begin to follow Jesus out of where you are, Paul says this, that your greatest platform for ministry and you would never choose it, but God's gonna use it is the pain and is the brokenness and it's the shattered pieces that Jesus against all odds has started to put back together. And he said, you have walked through these things as a stewardship in order to hand off to other people to comfort them when they're walking through the same stuff. And if you will surrender what God has allowed you to walk through or what you chose to walk through, he will use it as a platform for his glory and you're good, but you've got to come to him with it. And so like, as as we close, here's what I know. And here's why I know this is true because this is how Jesus responded to every single broken and shattered person that encountered him in the New Testament. And here's how I also know, and this is so interesting. And some of you, because of your story, are gonna wanna jump out of your seat or your chair or wherever you're at right now because this so is your story. This is the story of humanity. This is the story of following Jesus. This is the story that we all relate to that caused God to come and relate to us. But all of us, all over this room and all over these rooms and all of the places that we're listening, all of us at some level in some area have this story where at some point along the way, we screwed up. And at some point along the way, we would say, I screwed up. And then there was a point, maybe six months later, maybe two days later, maybe three years later, where after I screwed up, I gave up. And then eventually I looked up and it was only then that God showed up. But every one of us have the story of I ran, I compounded, I self-medicated, I walked out, I just decided to distance myself from God and I screwed up or something was done to me. And then in my ability or my efforts to cope, I ran further, I compounded the problem, I didn't run to the right places and I just screwed up. And then it gets to a place where I gave up because it was so bad, it was so dark. I didn't know how to fix it. I didn't know the way out. I didn't know if there was a hope in the future. I didn't know if I could have that in my heart. And then there was some point, whether I was directed by somebody else or just in my desperation, and I had nowhere else to turn because I had stopped trying to control it because I knew I couldn't fix it, that I looked up. And the moment that I recognized that I screwed up after I gave up, and then suddenly I came to a place where I looked up, that was the moment that God showed up and I would never choose it but God became more personal in that moment than I've ever experienced in any other moment of my life and that's the story of people all over these rooms and listening anywhere they're at and I just want you to know this that what we all relate to is what God caused God to relate to us and that literally what you are walking through and what you're trying to walk out of it is an invitation this is so crazy by your savior to go I want to come 
It's why I came in the first place to rescue and save. And it's why I'm continuing to rescue and save. And again, I know you would never choose it. I know you would go back and undo it, but I'm telling you, and this is what is so reckless about his grace and love is that if you will begin to follow me, this thing that has caused nothing but shattered pieces, this thing may be the thing that draws God near and personal in your life like never before. And what I would say just as a personal testimony is that in my life, whether they were chosen for me or whether I chose them, the the places that were most broken and most shattered were the areas that God used to arrange the encounter with him where he became real and known and personal in ways I had never experienced in any other season of my life. So because that's the story of people all over this room and all over the place who are listening right now, and because that's what Jesus did over and over and over again. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do in a second. I'm gonna ask you to do something similar to what Jesus asked of Matthew, what Jesus asked of Zacchaeus, what Jesus asked from the woman at the well, what Jesus asked of Paul. And I'm gonna ask you, and this is just a little bit weird, but we're just going with it because this is the moment for a lot of people is I'm gonna ask you to publicly identify with someone who is a mess and you chose some of that or some of that was just handed to you, but but publicly identifying that you are shattered, that there's some places that you can't fix, there's a past and you are ready to follow Jesus. And it's not maybe that you've abandoned faith. It's not that you I don't believe anymore. Maybe this whole time you've been attending, you've been sitting in a row, you've been in a community group. And in fact, nobody even knows what you're walking through and carrying but you have tried to do it without following Jesus out. And maybe there's one or two areas that are the key to moving out of that darkness. And you've got to humble yourself as we looked at last week under the mighty hand of God, meaning literally the power of God. And you cannot find your way out and do it your way. You cannot find your way out and choose how your healing is gonna take place. You have to come to the place to confront right now. Jesus, whatever you tell me to do, yes, I'm humbling myself under the mighty, powerful, all-knowing hand hand of God that raised dead people and gave sight to the blind and raised that girl off her deathbed in the New Testament. I'm coming to you. I'm knowing that you have the light. You have the way. You have the place for me to get out of this. I can't do it and I can't fix it on my own. So I'm surrendering this to you right now. And I've been trying to follow you while at the same time resisting you. And so I'm standing right now to go, Jesus, I cannot get out of this on my own. So I'm declaring publicly, I need you. I've got some shattered and broken places and I've got a past that I'm carrying around and I want to get out of it and you are the only source of my hope to get out of it. And I just wanna ask you in just a second to stand because and I'm gonna be done. Here's why. The only reason that you've heard of Matthew is because Jesus rolled up on him at a tax collector's booth and says, Matthew, I, listen, I get it, man. I know what even right now you're trying to hide. I, I know what you've been involved with. I'm inviting you, Matthew, to follow me. And Matthew got up from behind the tax collector's booth and started following Jesus, having no idea where it was gonna lead. And it was Jesus that was coming to Paul and and going, Paul, listen, I've got a destiny for your life and I, I know where you've been. I know what you've done to families. I know how bad you've hurt people, but I'm inviting you to follow me and you're gonna become the greatest church planner and missionary that the history of the world has ever known. Paul got up, took some time off, and then began to follow Jesus and ultimately gave up his life. And it was Jesus with the woman at the well when he comes and they have this interaction and eventually she leaves and literally runs back to her town. And I love this, this is so powerful. And she says to everybody in her town, because all of them knew her history and what she had done and how broken things were. And she says to them, I just met a man 
who told me everything and knows everything that I've ever done just like you. But unlike you, he doesn't condemn me. And in that moment, it changed everything for her because the encounter with Jesus and going, Jesus, whatever you are asking me to do and maybe whatever you've been asking me to do for the last five years or five months, I'm in, I'm saying yes, it's not easy, but I'm humbling myself before you and I want light to get me out of this darkness and you are that light and so I'm following you out. And so my invitation for everybody in the room, if you're not in the room, you're in a dorm room, I'm inviting you to do this. If you would say, I'm ready. If you're giving up, if you're just starting to look up and you're hoping that God is gonna show up, I want you to stand up. I'm giving up or I've given up. I'm looking up, I'm hoping that God's gonna intervene and show up. And so in this moment, I'm gonna stand up. Can we put our hands together at both these campuses right now to celebrate people um, who are on on their feet right now to invite Jesus in? That's amazing, that is amazing, that is amazing. And here's what I want to happen. I want all the rest of you shattered, broken messes to stand to your feet because we are one unified body and this was never meant to be a country club. It is a hospital for people who need put back together by Jesus. And I want to pray for those individuals who have enough courage to go, Jesus, I need you. And I believe just that declaration is the start of something powerful that God wants to do in your life. When you allow, when you allow just that nervousness and that fear to be trumped by your desperation for God. So would you, we reach out some hands right now to, to agree with those people, both campuses right now, where we're just asking Jesus, I pray that you would begin to intervene right now and that you would give the courage and the boldness to do exactly what you are calling us to do in this moment. And I pray for those and all of us hopefully have had those moments where we just need to publicly declare, I need you. I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I cannot get out of this on my own. I need the light that you are offering. And so I pray, God, for an extra measure of your power to literally meet them where they are today, to give them what they need to take the next step, to go back, to get it right, to begin to recognize and cry out to you again, and that you would begin to lead them out and lead them forward, and they would experience a personal connection with you in a way that they have never experienced before, that they are loved, that they are pursued, that you are for them, and you are not embracing them today with condemnation, but hope and reckless love to use what they've been through as a better future for their good and for the glory of the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, that brings dead people back to life, that reconciles what we thought was unreconcilable, that brings life out of things that we thought was dead for a decade. And we pray expecting and believing in this moment for those who are willing to follow you out that you're gonna do that again. And we ask it in the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen and put their hands together to celebrate what God's done in our house. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. 
And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.